Hello folks, and welcome to the Alphorn Podcast, Season 2, Episode 10, sponsored by Betfred and produced by Feed Ignite. This week's episode is just a cracker. Whew, what a guest, what a guest. Five-time Premier League winner, two-time FA Cup winner, one-time Champions League winner, one-time League Cup winner. PFA Young Player of the Year in 1994. One half of the deadliest strike partnership world football has ever seen. My guest this week is Andrew Cole. What a guest, what a guy, a gent of the highest order. I've known Andy a couple of years now. We did it, we did a few gigs together, so we kind of became acquainted uh, through those gigs. Had great fun with him. He recorded me doing Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> you might find it on his Instagram. It's from a couple of years ago, but it's, it's, it's a good clip if you can find it on Andy's Instagram. Just brilliant. Of course, Andy is promoting his book, Fast Forward, which is available now. Highly recommend it, folks. It's, it's a great read. We, we cover everything. His, his career at Newcastle, his unbelievable career at Manchester United, his relationship with Sir Alex, his well-documented feud with Teddy Sheringham, of course. And yeah, so, so many other things. His post-Man United career as well, which, you know, he's still, like, he still racked up decent numbers in terms of his scoring. He still had it in him. At Blackburn, where he won the League Cup, he scored the winner in that game against Spurs at Fulham. And then at Man City, he made the move to Man City. It was a personal decision he made for his family, which which. I can, which I think a lot of people can respect. And we get into, we go into detail about that. And of course, in 2015, Andy had to get a kidney transplant. His nephew, Alexander, offered to give up his kidney for him, which is, it's a very emotional story. It was a shock to the system for Andy at the time. And he's getting back to, to health, to full health. And it's, it is, it's, it's great to see him. In, in good spirits as well, because, you know, he, he went through a really, really tough time a few years ago, especially after the surgery with his mental health. And that's why he set up the Andy Cole Fund with Kidney Research UK, which helps, you know, people that were in his predicament. He, he wants to help them, which I think is, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. It really is. He's a great guy, honestly, just a really, really nice guy. And this was a, such an enjoyable podcast as a fan as a guy who was a hero of mine growing up as a kid, it was just an absolute honor to have him on. You know, and I really hope you guys enjoy this too. Not just Man United fans, but football fans in general. This guy is the third highest goal scorer in Premier League history. He is rightly a Premier League legend. This was a blast. I really enjoyed it, guys. And I hope you do too. It's season two, episode 10 of the Alphorn podcast. Andy Cole. Enjoy. Game on. Get £30 in free bets from Betfred when you sign up and stake a tenner. Football, racing, rugby, boxing. Betfred have markets available on all of the biggest matches, races, fights and more. Download the Betfred app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Or sign up through betfred.com. Game on! 18 plus BeGambleAware.org UK and Northern Ireland only First sports bet of £10 and over in one transaction Settled in 60 days Odds evens, brackets 2.0 and over £30 free bet paid within 10 hours of bet settlement 7 day expiry Payment restrictions apply SMS validation may be required Full terms and conditions apply Please gamble responsibly I am so pleased to be joined by an absolute legend Andrew Cole, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, pal. I really appreciate it. Ah, uh, no problems. And how are things for you the last couple of months with this COVID and everything? It's how how have you settled into it? Yeah, I I, I just get on with it now. Um, yeah. I'm kind of used to it, you know. Um, the first one was the toughest one, uh, yeah, fourteen weeks. But this one, a month. If it goes on a little bit longer, it goes on a little bit longer. I just get on with it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, just, I suppose, just to, to suppress it completely, you know. The only downside to it is for me is the gyms being closed. I think they should have maybe yeah. maybe opened the gyms. They were safe enough, you know, and for people's mental health, it's 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 a huge thing, you know. 
No, I, I'll agree with you there. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've missed going to the gym. I've missed uh, working out my PT and yeah. those kind of things. Missing, missing going to the boxing gym as well. So, yeah, it's mentally, of course, it's a big boost when you can do things like that. Yeah. We have to try and get on with the best we yeah. can. 100%. And I want to start off with yourself. You grew up in, in Nottingham as a kid. I just want to know, where did your love for, for football begin? Where did it all kind of start for you? When it all started, you know, I don't think I'm any different than anybody when it comes to football, you know. Obviously, being born in England, my mum always used to tell me that I always wanted to play football when I was a kid. My dad had, had no interest. My dad's a cricket man. Okay. You know, he's, he's from Jamaica, my dad, and he, his love was cricket. So he always wanted to play cricket. But I think my first love has always been football. Yeah, mm. I, I could play cricket to a good standard, but my first love was football and then it was cricket after football. Yeah, 100%. Cricket's a huge thing over over in the UK as well. Like over here in Ireland, it's it's soccer, it's football, and it's GAA, hurling and, and games. Yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, I think I remember, was it, I think it was maybe 99, wasn't it? Um, Sir Alex brought you guys over to Cork to watch mm. a hurling match or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. But yeah, obviously, you know, you started off at Arsenal at youth level. How, how was that for you? Because I know you were, you were eager to break into that team as an 18-year-old. And George Graham kind of was the manager back then. He, he kind of dismissed it. He just, you know, he, it, was, it was a time where kind of there was too much discipline in, in, in football, in a sense, where, you know, it was hard for a young player like yourself to, to you know, prove yourself to, to the manager. Yeah, it, it was tough those uh, in those days. Um, yeah. I'm looking at looking back at it now, you know, um, if an 18 year old kid comes in with that kind of confidence, you know, like everyone believes in him, and everyone gives him the opportunity, yeah. you know, to get in the first team and play. I mean, back in my days, if you was 18 and you fancied yourself as an half decent player, the first thing a manager would turn and say to you, "You're not good enough," mm-hmm. without giving the opportunity, and then tell you. How many senior pros he's got in front of you, and all those kind of things. So yeah, it, it, it was a tough time for me, you know. But I, I always believed then that I was good enough to play for Arsenal's first team, uh, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out the way it was supposed to work out. But then in life, you have to make those backward steps to yeah. move yourself forward in the end. You know, it's, it's a bit like chess. Yeah, a hundred percent. Go backwards to, to move forward to, to gain that kind of necessary experience and. Listen, we, we'll get to that later on. It, it definitely worked out for you um, because you, you found your footing as, as, as a pro. There was a couple of loan spells before you signed for Bristol City and that's where you really hit the ground running. Yeah, I, I love my time at Bristol City. I think that, that gave me the opportunity, you know, to actually show what I, I was good at. And that, that came with the manager. The manager, Dennis mm. Smith, believing that I was good enough, you know, telling me that if I got my head right, I could play at the highest level. There's nothing stopping me, just me. You know, so when I went there, I, I just want to try my best and do my best for the manager. He, he didn't last particularly long before he got sacked. You know, but um, my performances were doing good enough to attract interest from other clubs. Absolutely. And like you, you quickly became a very a hot prospect in England. There was a lot of buzz about you and Newcastle came in with a club record fee of £1.75 million. Am I correct in that? That's right, you are. £1.75 million. Did you, did you join the, the second half of the season in the, in the Division 1, wasn't it, at that point? The second half? Did, no, I, I joined for 12 games. For tw- 12 games, for yeah. 12 games, 12 yeah. Games. I, <laughs> exactly. I always say Newcastle were already promoted that yeah. season. Yeah. You know, Kevin brought me those doors, 12 games to go. I made my debut, brought me on sub against Swindon. And I think Newcastle lost that afternoon. And, and then I got in a week after and I played in every game. From then I scored 12 in 12. And everyone was saying, oh, I'm the greatest. You know, you guys promoted me. I was only there for 12 games. Yeah. And that's what I always try to stress to me. And the hard work was already done. Yeah, you know, I've come in 12, 12 games. I've made myself twelve goals. You guys have done all the hard work. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and then obviously they get promoted into the Premier League, and it's it's uh, it's kind of strapped into the rocket ship kind of thing. 
what like what an unbelievable season for you. 41 goals in all competitions, PFA Young Player of the Year. Um, and I think a lot of, uh, look, listen, we're going to get to the partnership with Yorkie, but that partnership with Peter Beardsley was phenomenal. I think it was 55 goals between the two of you guys in that Premier League season. And what was he like to, to play with? He was a magician. Um, mm. Absolutely fantastic football brain was unbelievable. I, I learned so much from him. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, the coaches always used to say to me, oh, you got to be on the move, you got to do this, you got to be on the move. So you'll say to yourself, oh, I've got to keep doing this. Got to and then Peter said to me one game, he said, just stand still. And mm. I said to myself, I can't stand still because I've been taught you got to keep moving, got to keep moving. I stood still and I had so much space around me. It's like, oh my God, this, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Because yeah. everyone's always taught, oh, you got to keep moving, you got to do this, you got to do that. Never stand still. And then when I'm learning things like that, I've never been told that by any coach. Yeah. No coach. And when Peter wow. said that to me, that's when the penny started to drop in a lot of different things in my game as well. You know, his football IQ was phenomenal. I really enjoyed playing up front with Matthew Cross. Yeah, it was incredible. And, and looking back on it, I know you've said in, in a couple of interviews, like, I know your time at United was, was remarkable, but that was kind of your, one of your favourite periods as well as a player that season at Newcastle. Just it was just you just enjoyed it so much, didn't you? I, I loved it. I mm. loved it. I, I know a lot's been made of obviously when I moved on from Newcastle, but nothing should have been made of it. You know, I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. It was a fantastic football club. A manager makes a decision. A manager makes a decision to move an individual on. The manager's telling you basically, I no longer want you. Yeah. So if you do stay, you know there's going to be a problem because he's made his mind up to move you on. And I've, I've always tried to stress that to the Newcastle friend. He wasn't down to me. Yeah. Kevin made that decision that he, he wanted yeah. to move me on. I took advantage of that like he did. I actually seen it. The, the Sky Sports Retro YouTube channel, which is brilliant. I don't know if you follow yeah. it, but it has all the old clips from the Premier League in the 90s. And there's an uh -huh. interview with you after you've just joined United in, in January and you said listen I don't I didn't want to leave Newcastle you know I didn't want to but you know when someone like Manchester United comes knocking you know it's you can't say no and obviously Kevin Keegan as you said he he moved you on and you know you you were moving on to a very exciting exciting time in your in your career how how was that like when you joined Man United at first because you really it was instant it, it was like at Newcastle it was instant impact again when you moved there, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Um, I, I thought it was, it was going to be just like Newcastle, go in, do exactly the same thing, and mm. it, it was a, it was a little bit different. Yeah, you know, of course. joining such a big club with big name players, and I, I didn't know what to expect. But mm. just going to do the same thing as Newcastle. And, yeah, it was, it was an eye opening experience. Yeah, I well, you, know, you know, the first ever player to score five goals. In a game against Ipswich. Yeah, that, that, that was special. I think it's even more special now. I've retired and, you know, players have come after me and done it, but no one surpassed me. I know records are there to be broken, but I was the first one to do that. So, of course, you're going to feel good about yourself, you know. You've set that benchmark. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to get your kind of opinion on playing with someone like with Eric Cantona. How much of an impact did he have? Because he obviously, when you joined, he I think he was, I don't know, if, did you play with him for maybe a couple of weeks? I did, yes. Yeah, and then he got suspended for the rest of the season and then came in the following season. What was it like when he came back into that team and, and his his overall impact on the team? And I think everyone saw the impact Eric had when he came back in the team and naturally when we lost him. Yeah, you know, everyone saw the impact. It, it was one of those ones. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it was a very, very special player for Manchester United. You know, he used to get goals out of nothing. Mm. You know, get us back in the game or win us the game, and that. But I think that's why everyone appreciates Eric so much, and he's revered the way he is, and, and yeah. rightly so. You know, because he was a top player. He he was a charismatic enigma, wasn't he? <laughs> That's the only way. There is. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's you know, the only I, way. Yeah. <laughs> who, who could? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we we have this tendency in football. Everyone has got to be the same. Yeah. We've all got cologne, each other. So we cologne. 
everyone's got a toe that provisional line. Yeah. You turn and say, yourself, well, what if someone breaks that line? Oh, it is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's what football is like. You don't, don't break that line. Yeah. Walk in a straight line like everybody else. And if you break that line at any stage, you, you've got an issue. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's nice to be a bit of a rogue at times. I think as well, I think it was, it was, I mean, the, the relationship he had with, with Sir Alex at the time as well. I mean, the stories are hilarious in my opinion, because I've heard stories where I think it was the end of end of season at dinner, the, the awards and uh, Ryan Giggs, he, he said he was telling the story a few years ago and he said, you know, everyone showed up looking really smart in a, in a black tie suit and I think Giggs's tie was loose. And <laughs> the Ferguson says, Giggsy, you know, that toy, come on, that's a week's wage has gone off you. Come on, look at you. And and Cantona comes in with, I don't know what he's wearing. He's wearing like a, an open shirt, a pair of, um, I think it's a pair of Air Force, Nike, Nike Air Force Ones or something like that. And he looks at Eric, he goes, oh, Eric, you look fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? And that, that, that was a manager, you know. Um, Eric could get away with murder. Eric could turn up in, in, a, in a plastic bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a manager would turn and say, "Eric, you look the best of everybody." Yeah. you know, and 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 that was just it. But that, that, that's his man management skills, you know, yeah. top top draw. Yeah, it it was his man management skills were just unmatched. You know, if you look at Michael Carrick as well, he he actually managed Michael Carrick very similarly to Eric Cantona as well. You know, mm. so he was ah uh, listen, he was. He was a he was a legend, but we're we're gonna get on, we're gonna get on to more of that. You know, you play alongside Cantona, two back to back Premier League titles, an FA Cup, so it's a really great start to your Premier League career. Cantona's departure is kind of it's a shock to everyone, I suppose, because I think he was thirty one when he when he retired, and in comes Teddy Sheringham. Now I know you two guys, there's there's a bit of history there, and I think it's. You know, from from a United fan's perspective, it's obviously unfortunate that the two of you didn't get along, but it was so impressive that the two of you could work together on a professional level so well and and play at the top of your game. What's the story with, with Teddy? Because I've seen a story about Roy Keane as well, where he wasn't the, the biggest fan of him either. Yeah, yeah. We, we always say, you know, in, in life, you're not going to get on with everybody. Yeah. Anyone who says it do, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah. You know? At that stage of my life, it just wasn't my cup of tea. As, as we grow older, our opinions change and, you know, we start to tone down a little bit. Yeah. We, we just didn't see eye to eye, me and Teddy. You yeah. Know, uh, I, I made it known straight away, you know, like nine times out of ten I will do. Yeah. You know? And that was that. And this now, is... Because of the when you when you were subbed off, so subbed on yes. for England, he he didn't shake your hand. He just walked down yeah. the touchline. Yeah, yeah, and I I found that very um, disrespectful. Yeah, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, I always used to say, when I become a senior pro and I play football, I want to be the best senior pro that I can be. Mm. I know how tough senior pros can be with the young kids. Yeah, you know, so I, I found that they, you know. Very, very hurtful considering it was my England debut. And yeah. that's supposed to mean so much to you. In the end, it was a complete washout for me. It was like, oh, yeah. I, I just want to forget about it. Yeah. And it was like that. Your international career is, you know, it's it was a strange one, to be honest with you, because, you know, I think a lot of people were just genuinely shocked. Like, why isn't this guy is scoring week in, week out? Why isn't he getting picked? And I, and I was thinking about it last night and I thought to myself, like, you know, if social media was around back then, you know, mm. the backlash that the, I think it was Terry Venables at the time, who was the England mm. manager, the backlash that he'd be getting on social media for, you know, and the pressure that would be mounted on him to actually play a player like you would be unbelievable, you know? And I think you see it with, with Jack Grealish as well. I mean, he's he's starting for England now, and it's all because of that kind of pressure on social media, mm. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's that's brilliant what, what you've mentioned there. Um, mm. I, I only found out the other day that I think I'd scored over fifty goals before I actually made my England debut. Wow! And when a, a journalist told me that, that was that, I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, yes, you scored over fifty goals before you made an England debut." Mm. He goes, "If this was today." 
if you've got yourself a handful of goals, you've got a great chance of playing for England. I'm like, wow. I didn't even look at it that way either. And the, yeah. the way you just broke it down there is like, you're right. Oh, like, 100%. Yeah, back, back in those days, you, you could do what you wanted to do. Yeah. If you wanted to pick someone, you picked them. If you didn't, uh, you didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I think, you know, we get to, I think it's the career-defining period of, of your career, especially at Manchester United. This fella called Dwight York comes in um, <laughs> and uh, it sparks a beautiful, a beautiful relationship. I think what was, you know, what was so great about yourself and Dwight was that the two of you guys just hit the ground running off the pitch you were just best of mates, so comfortable around each other. And I think it really contributed to you, you know, being that, that, that force of a strike partnership. Yeah, Peter Pan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the partnership was, was phenomenal. Uh, we, we were talking about this yesterday. I was speaking to him yesterday. And, you know, we look back now and we look back in quite a few more years. And people still talk about his partnership. Yeah. I think everyone appreciates just how special a partnership it was on the football pitch. You know, you, yeah. you don't see things like that today. You know, two guys playing their trade at the highest level, but enjoying yeah. it, scoring goals and bringing a lot of joy to a lot of people. Yeah. I think what I love as well, when, when, I, when I see United putting in a great performance, you see it on social media. And uh, there's a picture of you, you and, and, and Dwight and it's just the caption is Rashford and Martial today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they've got some way to go. <laughs> they do, they do, but <laughs> they could get there absolutely. But it speaks volumes of of that strike partnership, and just the link up play was incredible. I mean, from dummies to little intricate true true balls and um, crosses, flick on headers. It was just every every, every kind of assist. You name it between the two of you. It was just amazing. It, it, it was, and it was so enjoyable. And I, I always try and sum it up like this. It's like you're in a relationship and you, you actually you find your soulmate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that is, that is your, and whatever happens with that soulmate, you know that that individual's always got you. Mm. Yeah? The partnership me and Dwight had, had on the football pitch and you know after football pitch we laugh and Joe we laugh at the same thing he knows when I'm cheesed off he, he, he knows everything basically he's mm. one of those ones and like I said the way, the way we play we never even spoke on the football pitch and when I say that he said well, you never, we never spoke we didn't have to no. speak because we knew where each other were you know we knew what we wanted from each other we, mm. we never had a crossword until this day I've not known him over 20 years We've never had a crossword. We've that's never amazing. fallen out. Well, that's amazing. I mean, even even like, you know, you get it in training, you know, players shouting at each other or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's normal, but that's that's incredible. And it all paid off in the end. Unbelievable performances, especially in the Champions League against Barcelona and obviously Juventus in the semi-final. Talk to me about that game because that was just that was a roller coaster of a game. Yeah, I, I think that was a, the best game I've ever played in my footballing career. I need to go to Turin to win, but to win the way we did. You know, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I think we were the only British team to have gone to Turin and won. Yeah. And then the, the, the way we did it, man, we, we were men possessed. Yeah. You know, we, we, were, we were on a journey and it didn't really matter. We, we was going to go, we were going to complete that journey. Yeah. And no matter how tough it was, it made no difference. It was to me complete. And we did just that. Yeah. It's just an, an incredible game of football. And that Juventus team as well, with the likes of, I think it was Dav, was it Davids, Zidane, of course, Inzaghi, Del Piero. Front, Del yeah. Piero. That was one hell of a team. Conte, yeah. Yeah. It was a real good team, but it wasn't know, good enough for us. wasn't good enough for you, for, for <laughs> you guys. Absolutely not. And then as well, you know, that infamous lob against Spurs to to seal to seal the the league title as well. I mean that went it went right down to the wire, didn't it? That day it was it was I think it was goal difference. It was one on, wasn't no, it? No, uh, it was a point. Points, yeah, a point. Yeah. yeah, it was a point. Yeah, but that was just that was a remarkable day as well. 
Yeah, it, it was, um, for me, a, a real special day. Yeah, it, it wasn't nice being on the bench, but it's a team game. Yeah. I think for me to have gone out and got the winner, I think that put a lot of goes to rest for 95 when we should have won the league at West Ham and it didn't yeah. materialise. You know, football and life, it's a cycle. Yeah. You know, and it always comes back round. At some stage, you know, what's happened will always come back round. And for yeah. me, in my footballing career, it came back around in 99. Yeah. Earlier then, I would have believed it would have come round, but it come round and, you know, we win the league. I'm delighted, actually, for myself, but for my teammates and, as well as everybody else, you know, because that was the yeah. first part of um, going on to complete treble. Yeah. Uh, just an unbelievable season. I, I remember as a kid, I think I was, I was eight at the time, and I remember mm. crying for the whole game against Bayern Munich. Cry, actually crying. My mother was there. My brother was out watching it with his mates. I'd always watch it with him. And then jumping up and down. But yeah, there you go, folks. Ball and crying for the whole game. <laughs> Eight-year-old Al. <laughs> uh, and then obviously came two, um, you know, two more massively successful seasons. Back-to-back uh, -back league titles. You're on a roll. The, the partnership with Yorkie is in full swing. Then we kind of get to the 2001-2002 season and your your game time is kind of limited. Is that because kind of was it Van Nistelrooy and, and Varane coming in at that at that time? Yeah, and the, the manager, he, he wanted to change things up, you know. Yeah. He, he, he always used to say to win the European Cup again, you know, we'd have to play one up front, one in behind yeah. and that. So my, my game time became limited and I'm, I'm the individual of the way I've been brought up. I've got to go out there, I've got to earn it. Yeah. I have to earn it. You know, I can't be sitting on my hands thinking people can do it. No, mm. no. I I want to work hard. You know, I don't want anyone to turn and say, you know, you've mm. not earned anything. I wasn't brought up that way. Yeah. So I, I had to make my mind up, you know, if I was prepared to sit on the bench, you know, mm. and watch football and then come on for 15 minutes here, 20 minutes. Mm. Or get a game against Bolton or any of the lesser teams not being disrespectful. And then come the Champions League game, maybe against Real Madrid or Barcelona or Juventus, mm. be on the bench. I mean, when you've been through so many highs and playing in those games, to be sitting on the bench watching them, it, yeah. it didn't sit well with me. And I, I just wanted to give my all. So mm. I thought it's best that I had to move on. Yeah. Sir Alex didn't want you to leave. He, he, he wants you to be, he, he kind of had you a part of the plans, but obviously in a different, in a different way. But he was, was he upset that, that, that you left? Like was he, he yeah. it was amicable, of he, course, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. He was upset to see you leave. Yeah, because, you know, we, we had a very good relationship. And if, if I wasn't as driven as I am, and I was an individual to say, yeah, of course, but I'll sit on the bench and, you know, mm -hmm. We can win um, know, five more championships and I'll pick up five more championship medals. But I've only played, I don't know, 13 games and half of those have come up in subs. It, it, it wouldn't sit well with me because I, I genuinely wouldn't believe that I've contributed. Mm. To contribute for me, you've got, to, you've got to be out there. You've got to keep it. I know everyone can't be out there, but that's the way I am. That's where mm. I'm built. You know, I, have to, I have to contribute in a way that I can look myself in the mirror. Yeah. And yeah, that... The, the gaffer said to me, look, Cody, you don't have to go. I want you to stay. You can stay as long as you want. But I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. do it. Could I do it now? I think my biggest regret was leaving Manchester United when I did. Mm. So could I do it now? Even now, even if that was my biggest regret. I don't know if I could do it now. And that, yeah. that, that is typical me. Yeah. But as well, I mean, even, you know, your, your post-Man United career was still very impressive. You arrive at Blackburn and yet again, like with Newcastle and like with United, it's instant impact. You win the league title with them, which was an elusive trophy for you. So you've got the league title, the medal for the league title, FA Cup winner's medal, Premier League winner's medal, Champions League winner's medal. You have everything, you know, so you've, in, in a sense, you've achieved everything in your career when joining Blackburn. Like it started off very well at Blackburn, didn't it? Your, your career yeah uh, you touched on it to, to win the league cup that was the only thing I was missing yeah you know when you I scored was, sorry you scored the winner I as did well. yeah. yes, yes 
Yeah, and when I was at Manchester United, the manager always used to play a weekend side and used to get knocked out early doors and I was pulling my hair out. Yeah. You know, so I, I, want, I wanted to complete the set early doors and then continue yeah. to keep winning. So yeah, going to Blackburn to win the League Cup and like you said, it started really well and I enjoyed my time at Blackburn. Some yeah. real nice people there. But my relationship with um, the manager was very, very strange. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I, 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 I always said, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be bullied by anybody. It doesn't yeah. matter what your position is, you know, mm. all equal. I'm not going to be bullied by a manager or, or anybody else. And I made that decision not when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, so the position I found myself with Graham at the time, who was at loggerheads mostly every other day. Mm. I mean, when you're going into working environment, you're at loggerheads every day with, with your manager. Or, yeah. You try and say to yourself, where's enjoyment? Yeah. You know? And it, there was no enjoyment. It was, it was just like verbals every day and exchanges every other day. Yeah. And then you turn and say to yourself, well, I turn and say to myself, look, this is going to go either one or two ways. Mm. Blackburn moved me on or Blackburn sacked me. Yeah. And that's, that's the way it was going. Yeah. And do you think the manager at the time was under the assumption that, oh, like he, he's come, he's just, you know, played under Sir Alex Ferguson, he's established and, and whatnot. And he kind of tried to, he, he tried to kind of, um, you know, dismiss that completely, you know, with, with, with <laughs> as a player. Was that kind of his, his thing? Because you, you, you were a very experienced player. So, you know, you could guide a lot of the young players in that in that team as well. So I mm. don't understand why he he was at loggerheads with you. No, I, I, I don't I don't know because that, you know I've, the the good thing is yeah I've, I've had the opportunity to have, have a chat with Graham and yeah what he is now is is totally different. And as we get older, of course we mature, and that's that's yeah. why I respect him. And I think I said that in my book. You know, I, I have respect for him. You know, you know he's a fantastic player, but. The way he managed, he was like, nah, 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 nah. I can't, my, yeah. my dad can't even talk to me like that. Yeah. You know, so I can't have anyone else talking to me like that. My dad can't talk to me like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think he appreciates the mistakes he made as a mm. manager. You know, he, he, he apologised to me the way he managed. And I, I, I respect him for, for uh, apologising to me because yeah. I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not the easiest guy to get on with if someone gets my back up. Mm. You, know, you, you yeah. can try as many bully boy tactics as you like it, it, it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, things like that don't inspire me yeah. you know to do what I've got to do to upset you even more yeah. and yeah. You know, I, I think at the time he thought right I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to get his back and mm. me made no difference that, that yeah. made me stronger that galvanised me even more yeah and what about that scream where you scored at Anfield that was some goal yeah <laughs> That was some guy. Yeah. yeah, I had a very good record at Anfield. You did, yeah. Yeah, that, that goal was one of my best scores. You know, I, I think I enjoyed it more because it was against Liverpool. It's at Anfield. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah, it's a real goal that one. As as a United fan, it's, it's it is fun to kind of see ex United players playing for 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 different clubs when they score at Anfield because it you can tell it means so much to them. You know, I remember Rooney even scoring the penalty against Liverpool, I think, for Everton. And he just, <laughs> he made the most of it a few years you, ago. You have to. It's yeah. a great place to play football, I have to be honest. <laughs> um, and then you, you move on to Fulham and you had a, you had another brilliant season with, with Fulham. And then 2005 comes along and you sign for Man City. Uh, how, how, how was that? Because you, you, you said you've enjoyed, you enjoyed your time there at Man City for that, for that one season. I enjoyed my time versus yeah. every club I went to. But the, the Man City scenario came about, you know, I, I was living in London by myself. You know, I'm, I grew up in London from when I was 16, so that, that didn't bother me. What bothered me, I wasn't with my kids anymore. Yeah. You know, my kids were young, <laughs> my kids are everything. And I, I, was, I was getting into that stage where I'm missing the kids, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm not living right. You know, so it's a case of not you've got to make a decision. Yeah, it's either at that stage, the family all moved down to London, mm-hmm. we get on with things, or you're going to have to go back up north. Mm-hmm. So I, 
I just want to get back up north, you know, because I want to be around my kids every day. So when the yeah. opportunity came up, I spoke to quite a few people about it. I didn't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it, you know. Mm. I thought about all the repercussions and everything like that. And I made a decision based on myself and mm. my two children. Yeah, yeah, it was a family thing and yeah, that's what you got to do. you yeah. got to put your family first. 100%, because you were up in Man- Manchester for such a long time. But United, that's right. obviously they had settled up there. You know, yeah. so now it's, listen, th- these decisions are incredibly important. Family comes first, you know, and that's, there you go. that's, that's the main thing. Definitely. But yeah, like, you know, looking back at it, what, what an unbelievable career you had. Third highest all-time goal scorer in the Premier League. You know, just so impressive. I'm a huge fan, you know. Um, Thank you. Growing up watching you, it was brilliant. And we, we, like myself and Andy, we've done gigs together as well. We've had a bit of fun together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a good laugh, definitely. <laughs> you recorded me doing the, the Rio Ferdinand as well. So we, <laughs> we actually have a segment of impressions later on, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, if that's okay with you. <laughs> I, I want to talk about 2015. It just kind of came out of nowhere for you. And it was a massive shock. Kidney failure. You got the diagnosis and it just... As you said, it, it came out of nowhere. What, what, what was that? What, what happened? What was that experience like? Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an experience that has, it's definitely rocked my world. It's, it's kind of like taking me back to basics. You know, it's yeah. being a kid again and learning how to walk. Yeah. You know, you've been crawling and all of a sudden you start making those, those steps and mm. you're on your feet and you're starting to walk. I think mean, for me personally, it's been a it's been an experience that I most probably had to go through. Mm. But the way I've had to go through it, it showed me what the world's kind of like about. Yeah, you know, to go through this illness, to try and understand this illness, to going through people starting to show the real colours, the same people that you thought. Yeah, they're going to be there if you disappear. Mm. Yeah, people that you wasn't too sure about step up. You know, it's 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 been so strange. And when mm. I try and break it down to people, you know, they understand where I'm coming from. Is when people come out the out the mist and step up to try and help you get to a real difficult situation. You turn and say, "So I, I, I never thought that of that person." Yeah, and then when people you think, "Yeah, they're going to be there for you." Mm. They're the first ones to wave you goodbye. You turn around and say, so I certainly didn't see that one coming. Yeah. But those are the experiences you have to go through in life sometimes. Yeah. You know, and as the saying goes, you, you've got to see the wood through the trees. And I've, I've definitely seen that. Yeah. You know, but what I do know now, the, the people I have around me now, they're 100% behind yeah. me. Yeah. 100% uh, want to see me well. And as well, I think it was um, your nephew, uh, Alexander, he he donated his his kidney to you and he um you know he i i, I read about it he he was i think he was in hospital which at the time and he just said i can't i can't see it like this he it took mm. an, it took a really emotional toll on him and you know what 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 an amazing thing he did you know that honestly that was incredible and it was it was really emotional as well to to read that as well yeah, you know that that was so so special. Yeah. I mean, when when I got told that I needed it, even if mental, I said, ah, "Just man up, you're gonna get through this. Take your tablets, and it will yeah. cover." And then, you know, I remember when I sat down with a consultant, and he basically said to me, "Look, you're gonna need a, a transplant." And I remember I was in the room with Alexander and my ex. I remember. You know what? It was like a dagger to my heart with my ex taking off. He can't have mine. I was like, rock bottom. In the meeting with the consultant, Alexander, me and my ex. And you know, when you're in that position, you've already got bad news from your consultant. And then Mm. your ex partner drops that on you. It's like, it's rolled off her tongue perfectly at the time. So I'm sitting there saying to myself, Jesus. I need to have a transplant. What am I going to do? And then someone drops that bombshell. So you, you've got a double whammy. Yeah. And in that double whammy, you've got, you've got to try and deal with it like manly. 
Mm. You know, you've got to say, right, come on, man, up, get on with it. Yeah. In the back of my mind, I, I, I was so, so down. Mm. And then when, when Alexander made a decision that he was going to do it, I had, I had to sit him down and talk to him, talk to my eldest sister. And he, he was adamant, nope, I don't care. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. I've, I've watched him for too long in this position. Yeah. And then we, we, we just got it done. Yeah. And uh, do you have you were before that obviously a really close relationship with, with your nephew as well, you know? Yeah, you know I'm very fortunate. I, I've all my nephews. Yeah, it's not. I don't think they even look at me as the uncle. Is that I'm, I'm a bigger brother to them? Yeah, we all get yeah. home. We all have a yeah. laugh, joke, and that, that's what I've always wanted. You know, yeah. I, I don't want them to look at me as oh, Andy Cole, the footballer. You know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm your uncle, and you know we can talk on a level whereby you believe that I'm this and that, but yeah. it's, it's deeper than that. And yeah. I have a laugh and joke with him. We, we we do crazy things together. We always have a laugh and joke. Mm. We go out for a drink or whatever. So yeah, it's it's really cool. That yeah, that's brilliant. And as well, you know, you've you've set up the Andy Cole Fund with Kidney Research UK, and it's it's. How has that been so far? It's it's a brilliant initiative. Obviously, you know it's it it kind of taps into anyone who's kind of been through that experience of of getting a, a kidney transplant. You know, it kind of helps them with their their mental health and as as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm trying my best just to grow it. I think we've had a difficult time due to the pandemic. We had uh, quite a few things planned. Yeah, you know, so God willing. Come next year, you know, we can really crack on with that if this pandemic clears up. Yeah. There's so many things I, I would like to do. Mm. You know, um, yeah, of course I've put my name to it, but it's not just the case I put my name to it. I want to get my hands dirty. I, I want to try and help people who, who find themselves in my position. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, hit rock bottom. Yeah. You know, not quite sure to turn left or right. Mm. You know, um, have people that, decide that that's the right time to move on but people will step up and say right I'm with you 100% so yeah I, I want to try and help as many people as I can obviously mm. raise as much funds as we can to try and you know bring it to the next level yeah you know, when it comes to uh, kidney research yeah fair play to you Andy because you're, spe- you're spreading a, a very positive message and as well like as well we want to come to your, your your new book fast forward um and you've been you've obviously been doing the rounds, and I thank you so much for for coming on here as well to promote it. There's, it's it's obviously it's going to be a brilliant read, and the foreword is from Sir Alex Ferguson as well. So, what was the process like in getting that in in, in writing in that book? You know, the, the, the process was it, it was it was crazy in the end because one of my pals called me, and we was chatting. I've, I've known him over twenty odd years now, mm. you know, and he called me. He said, uh, and your friends are doing a book again. I said, like, oh, man, I've not even thought about it. He goes, come on, man, just do a book. I said, I'll let you know. And I thought about it. I said, all right, all right then. Yeah, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the thought process. Like, right, then, mm-hmm. I'll do it. So it was a flip on one side, and I'll do it. Yeah. And then um, Leo came on to me. He goes, oh, yeah, I heard you want to do another book and whatever we can go and put out to tender to a few publishers and things like that. And I was starting to think, Hmm, this is been a little bit too quick. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure now. Yeah. But then in, in the end, in the end, I said to Leo, hey, "All right, then go on then." And then we we got um, an offer fairly quickly, to be fair. And I said, right, "Let's go with it." So spending time with Leo, hmm. you know, talking about it, having a laugh and joke, having a few tears hmm. through the old process. I'm not going to lie; it was a bit. It was a bit tough at times, a bit yeah. teary at times and whatever. But the whole process for me was really good. In the yeah. end, I'm happy that the book has come out the way it's come out. Yeah. Uh, I think the majority of the time, it's, everything's been very, very positive about the book, about my honesty and yeah. the way the way I've always tried to do things. And I mean, that that is me in a nutshell. I'm very, yeah. very honest. I've always tried to do things the right way. Yeah, sometimes... Yeah, I make things run away with me, and I get myself in a little bit too much trouble. But it is what it is. Yeah, that's that's life. You know, that's it is. Yeah, it, is. It, is. it is what it is. I want to bring it back to 
the current crop of players at Manchester United and the manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What's your thoughts on everything so far this season? We've got one hell of a squad there. I think for me, everything is consistency. Consistency, yeah. confidence. Yeah. And that's, that, that is football. That's football in a nutshell. Yeah. If you play with no confidence, yeah, things are hard. If you haven't got consistency, things are hard. Yeah. If you look at Liverpool last season, what does everyone talk about? How consistent they've been. Yeah. And that, that, that's football. Football, it doesn't change. You don't matter what system you want to play or what players you want to play. Football will never change. Yeah. Consistency and confidence. And I think once Manchester United find those two things, you know, we will start to move forward definitely. Yeah. I think what scared me as a United fan watching Liverpool last year was not not them winning uh, four or five nil at Anfield. It was them winning two one away at the likes of say Villa or Brighton or whatever, just yeah, grinding piece. out those results. Yeah. I was like, oh no, this is <laughs> that's the sign yeah. of of a very good team. But let's let's hope all uh, Ole gets gets this team up and running again because it's definitely a fantastic bunch of players, so much potential. You know, with Cavani coming in, obviously he provides that experience. Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, and Bruno as well, and and Pogba. Hopefully, potential. Hit the, there's massive potential. Well, I want to get your thoughts as well on what's going on with Mason Greenwood at the minute. I think I I, I said it the other day. I think it's a very positive thing that people aren't kind of buying into this bullshit that we're seeing from the media about Mason Greenwood. People are copping onto it now. And the same was it same happened with Raheem Sterling about a year and a half ago. What do you, what's what's your thoughts on that? Like this kid's only 19 years old. You know, yeah, he's, he's only made one appearance for England and already they're 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 hounding him. My, my my thoughts are leave the kid alone. He's a kid. Yeah. And um, if you're if you can't make mistakes at 19 years of age, they're basically turning around saying you've got you've got to make, make mistakes when you're 50, 60, 70. No, no, no. Yeah. He's a kid. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's an <laughs> unbelievable talent. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still got to live like a kid. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He's, he's got to be on his toes. He plays for Manchester United, and the media spotlight around him. So yeah, to a certain extent, so you've got to try and do the right things. But you're 19, 19. If if we put a camera on every nineteen-year-old boy, mm. what would you expect to see? Yeah. You're acting like a, like a thirty-five-year-old man. They'd be sitting in playing their PlayStation vibes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you 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 have to expect those kids to to make a mistake. And before lockdown, I spoke to someone in the gym. And he, he turned around and said to me, he goes, why are they digging out Mason Greenwood and like the left field Foden alone? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm trying to explain. He said, no, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. There's an agenda there. There's an agenda. And this was a fellow in the gym. You know, yeah. so yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it from my point of view and trying to say to him, oh, it is. He said, no, no, there's an agenda there. So I think, like you said, everyone's looking at it now and saying, mm. no, we're not buying into this nonsense, Yeah. Yeah. You try to dig the young boy out for a reason. Mm. And I think it is, I think, you know, social, there's a lot of negative aspects about social media, but I think that's one of the positives that people can see through that kind of, that bullshit. Yeah. You know, because you have the players yourself, like there's yourself, Rio, and a lot of other players, Gary Neville, that are completely, you know, slamming the the media for all of this, so it's 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 good to see, it's good to see that, and hopefully Mason Greenwood, you know, he, he gets up and running again. And Still blossom. That's our advice. My advice to him as a fan is take your time as well. Yeah. You know, take your time. Don't Definitely. rush into things. You know, enjoy it. That's exactly it. Okay, I want to get to the to the impressions part. We we have. I don't know if you want to do this. It's a wheel of impressions, Andy. Whatever impression it lands on. You have to attempt. Nah, man. Nah, I can't do it. <laughs> That's I, my problem. I, I had a backup. I had a backup plan. I'll show you the wheel anyway. This is the, this is the wheel we use. <laughs> I can't be doing that. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but I, I just want. I, I'll do a few impressions here, just to you know, as a tribute to Andy Cole. I'll start off with Harry Kane. 
yeah, of course, obviously, you know, Andy Cole is an incredible player. Um, you know, his goal score and attributes are fantastic. He, uh, in front of goal, he was just unbelievable, you know, uh, incredible. Uh, you know, I look up to him as well as, as a player. I want to emulate him as well. So, And I think I want to speak as Jose Mourinho. I think Andy Cole was fantastic. I wish I could have managed in the Premier League, maybe in the 90s. I would have signed Andy Cole. Fantastic player. And him and Yorkie, brilliant. And of course, I want to speak as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, playing, <laughs> playing with Andy was fantastic. He was a great player, of course. You know, there was the four of us, myself, Teddy, him and Yorkie. They'd, you know, switch us around a little bit. But Andy was brilliant. Fantastic player. Fantastic. And listen, I'm going to speak as well, Ferdinand as well. You know, Andy, what a player. What a player. You know, it was sad because you left in January 2002. I joined in, what was it, August, July. You know, we didn't, we didn't get to play together. So it was, it was very sad, you know, at Manchester United. So it would have been unbelievable. Um, obviously, you want to speak as Wayne Rooney. Um, Andy was great. Great player. Um, myself and Cristiano. Obviously, you know, they compare myself um, and Cristiano to yourself and Dwight, you know, the link up play. <laughs> oh, good. Know, listen, listen, we're going to get to Roy as well. Yeah, Luke Coley was fantastic. He was brilliant, great player, great attitude, you know. Listen, you always played well, didn't you? You always did, didn't you? A consistent. <laughs> so, love, and myself and I, we had a great relationship. We got on well, didn't we? I mean, it's no bullshit. It was, that was a great thing about yourself and Andy. And I want to bring it to Hollywood. I want to do Robert De Niro. You, you're good. You're good, Andy. I appreciate you. You're a very good player. <laughs> man, I just want to end this with Eddie Murphy, man. Andy Cole, my favorite player of all time, man. <laughs> man, they don't talk about your Newcastle. The new Newcastle, man. You want to see this man in Newcastle. He was unbelievable, man. 41 goals, PFA, young player of the year, man. That motherfucker was unbelievable, man. I love seeing you play. <laughs> Andy, that's my tribute to you. <laughs> Brilliant, Al, man. Fantastic. <laughs> Mate, honestly, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, no problems. Uh, your new book, Fast Forward, is available now. Folks, I'd, I'd highly recommend this. It's a great read. You're a gent, Andy, a legend. Cheers, thanks very much. As, as a thanks fan, I really appreciate you coming on. Cheers, Al. Thanks. No problems. Thank you. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org Singles only Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion Visit Betfred.com promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions